Hi, I'm Irene Yanku, and this is my podcast. I have spent my entire career in dentistry learning. Learning about new technology, techniques to better my clinical skills, and now I'm a practice owner and leader. In life as a learner, I've noticed my truest love for learning has not been about teeth or what material is best to use for a core buildup. It's been learning about people in our dental community. The educators, scientists, clinicians, business owners, and advocates, their stories, their lives, their why, and their what's next. Getting to know them as humans, identifying how they work, what their rituals are, while highlighting them as the true trailblazers in dentistry. And that's what I do here on the show. So hold on to your suction. It's about to get slippery here on the Tooth or Dare podcast. Accident. Lots of people are now are running to do Carolina therapy and orthodontics, but they're only addressing like the, the aesthetics. They're not necessarily addressing the muscular issues or the neuromuscular issues that are. Um... Welcome back to part two with Karen Ann Gordon, Dr. Karen Ann Gordon, from hygiene to chiropractor over the pandemic and now public speaking and teaching, focusing specifically on the connection between TMD pain, dental hygiene, and how you can relieve that with chiropractic medicine. You mentioned something in our last episode that you were really drawn towards relief that was non-medical, non-medicated. Is that the term that you used? Yes, Um, non-pharmacological. Non-pharmacological. Okay. So I have a few questions about TM, TM, do you, do you call it TMD or TMJ pain? Um, really, I really like TMD because it's Me too. a term for mandibular um, dysfunction. Disorders TMJ and just, dysfunction uh, is yeah. the joints. We all have them. There's two. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I, I, don't so, you just love it when a patient comes in, they're like, I have TMD. It's like, oh my God, I have two of them. No way. Like We're the we same. all have it. We have the joint right here. Right here. I have yeah. that as a TikTok. Yeah. Like look, right here. Look at mine. It moves. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So... These days, the, we talk the TikTok world and Instagram world, people are using Botox as a measure for Ooh. relieving tension. Oh, she, she did a little grimace. Um, relieving tension in the jaw, um, specifically in the muscles related to masseter function, buccinator, uh, masseters, uh-huh. and that's becoming the quote-unquote norm. I mean... I see patients come to my practice and that's the first thing they ask for. They don't talk about assessments. They don't talk about night guards. They don't talk about exercises and stretches. I'm also an oral myofunctional therapist. So we talk about tongue posture, resting position, and stretching is really important. They go straight to Botox. How do you feel about that? I feel like we should reserve anything pharmacological for like the last resort. There are a thousand things that actually contribute to TM, TMD. We really should call it temporomandibular joint syndrome because it's a syndrome. Mm. It's not just one thing. Running straight to just, just shoot me up, Scotty, it's not going to solve the problem. Botox is a neurotoxin. Um, you're going to bathe the area, of course, bathe the trigeminal nerve. And okay. it doesn't necessarily um, mean 
that you're going to solve the underlying issue. I really feel like um, when it comes to Botox or injectables, yeah. it's not necessarily solving the, the underlying issue. You're going to always end up with that problem. Yeah. You're going to always exactly. end up with some kind of issue. So, And then one of the things that I like to talk about with my patients, even from a neuromusculoskeletal perspective, is... You know, you have to look at things from behavior. As hygienists, we understand that. If you're keep if you keep doing the same if you keep doing the same things over and over and over again and you don't change behavior, then you're gonna have the same problem. And the consensus is don't jump to conclusions and get Botox immediately. Have an assessment with a professional to identify perhaps the root cause, what would you say some of, is that, am I on the right track with that? Definitely. Cool. Uh, finding out what the root cause is definitely um, the best way to create a best treatment plan for your patient. If you don't Amazing. exactly understand what's going on with the patient, then we'll never solve the problem. It's just going to be a reoccurring problem for this patient. Yeah. So what would you say you're seeing as most common or are there any most common root causes these days? What silly question that everyone asks is what causes clenching and grinding? Um, it could be a, a whole host of things. I think the, the biggest contributing factor to clenching and grinding is how people deal with stress. Stress is a big mm. contributing factor to how a person processes like stuff. Most people clench and grind and they don't even know they're doing it. If you're a high, high level thinker or you're under stress, you might be clenching your teeth together. You might be grinding your teeth as you're sleeping. It might be due to muscular imbalance. It might be due to the fact that you have poor occlusion. It could be head and neck in muscular imbalance. It could be your pelvis, right? Like your pelvis? Oh my goodness. What, yes. You could what be, does it could your, be your what pelvis. does your pelvis have to do with your pelvis is your not here, right? Anatomically right, your pelvis right. is so what exactly. is the, how? So the the fascia, there's you know, there's this um fascia, yeah. this this extra tissue that extends from the tongue all the way to the tissue that connects us at the pelvis. So wow. what we can see, you know, research has shown that we can actually see that when the pelvis is off or there's any pelvic function, um, we also have a um, uh, misalignment or uh, yeah, misalignment in the, in the jaw joint, um, in the TMJ joint. Hmm. And what we'll also see is that um, the same, it's really on the same side, right? And we'll also see that, um, you know, if it's like walking and chewing, right? It's, you know, we how we have to walk, we can, walking and chewing is, is a coordinated effort. So our hmm. jaw kind of mimics can I walk and our chew? pelvis. I think I can walk, I can walk and chew. We can walk and chew, but it takes a lot yeah. of coordination to walk and chew, right? So walking and chewing takes a um, high level of coordination. We have to coordinate our jaw. Similarly, we have to coordinate how our pelvis does that kind of like that figure eight motion. So um, a lot of the similarities um, that we see are muscular, um, muscular imbalances. And um, that's how we kind of connect the TMJ joint and the pelvis. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when we uh, work on the whole body, musculoskeletally, then we're able to address the the um, the muscular imbalances at the head and neck level that affect the mm. TMJ joint. Interesting. Um, the, during COVID and immediately post when we returned to dental practices, 
everyone uh-huh. saw a spike in patients that were clenching and grinding. And there's a direct correlation to pharmaceuticals, specifically SSRIs, claiming that um, it increases the likelihood of people clenching and grinding their teeth. Do you agree with that? Is that something that you've you've seen or researched or learned about in school? So um, that's something I'd have to do a little bit more research on. Um, it's not, it's definitely not, um, implausible. I mean, uh, a lot of the things that, um, we don't necessarily actively think about everything, right? Exactly. Um, you know, muscle twitching or muscle firing can definitely be affected by the SSRI uptake. Um, but, uh, I have to research the mechanisms on that. Um, in school, we don't necessarily learn that in school. We'd have to do more Mm. research on that. That's something that you'd specializing, but it's not implausible. Um, a lot of things sure. that, um, you know, people are on a whole bunch of medications and they cause tremors. They cause an effect in the brain at the brain yeah. stem level. They cause um, uh, us to have more, I, I want to call it nervous tics. Um, mm. uh, they influence how the thalamus works, the hypothalamus works, how the cerebrum works, how the cerebellum works. So, you know, it's not implausible that maybe SSRI might be a contributing factor to a patient's grinding more. I'm sure if mm. I were to do some study, I would find that there's a great correlation. Yeah. There were, I mean, it was highly published in dental magazines and de- dental literature, so I'm sure you'll find something. But um, it's I find it fascinating that you are kind of this bridge between medicine, chiropractic medicine, and dentistry, because I know oftentimes as hygienists, we feel that we're not part of that allied healthcare team. We're kind of missing in the connection and in the communication. Like, for example, I'm not allowed to really send a referral to a specialist as a hygienist. It's not really within our quote unquote scope of practice. So it's, it's, I find it really interesting that you're there advocating not only on the chiropractic side, but also for the hygienists. Do you find that you get a lot of referrals from hygienists and dentists specifically for this niche that you're in? Well, um, mostly from um, dentists, uh, you know, because some of the stuff, uh, there's one dentist that is um, very good here in Palm Beach that works um, specifically on TMJ. And um, one of the things he likes is uh, for someone to work on the uh, fascia, the musculature um, around um, the head and neck, um, because he understands that um, when the tissue is... um, you know, they're hypertonic. Um, it affects the way in which the um, patient's uh, jaw behaves, especially when he needs to do diagnostic work or he mm. needs to create like a, um, an orthotic just for that patient. If their jaw is, not, you know, their tissues are imbalanced, it's not going to give them the best result for their orthotic. So um, that's some of the things that, um, you know, people would refer to me, not, not very many people refer to the chiropractor. Um, you know, you kind of have to seek out your patient, but, um, in the yeah. dental community, because I am connected in the dental community, the dental community tends to refer over to me, um, wow. for chiropractic treatment. Mm-hmm. Where, what does that assessment look like? Like if someone were to come into you, me, I have jaw pain. I have had for my entire life. I've had ortho because of it. What does that first visit? I think it's also linked to this like nerve. I have a 
a bulge disc in C3, C4, and um, a pinch in my brachial plexus, which used to cause tingling and numbness down my fingers. So I think it's all interconnected. What would that first visit look like with you if I flew to Lou, we're, we're going to Florida. I'm packing up the poodle. We're coming to stay over at your place. What would that visit look like? Um, definitely, we do a postural assessment. Um, first, we do sit up before nice we do anything. Tall. No, you don't yeah. have to you sit. Sit um, how com- the most comfortable position possible. That's, oh, that's how forward. And anything, anything <laughs> like that's a dinosaur. Comfortable, yeah, anything that's comfortable to with to you is 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 most natural. Um, that's leaning, what's the best. Usually posture. leaning on something. If you, you want to <laughs> lean, that's fine. Um, I'm not really hung up on being um, perfectly straight as an arrow. That's unrealistic. Um, some. Right. Um, so, so the first thing that we would do is definitely a uh, TMJ survey, a head and neck survey. And that head and neck survey would be looking um, to see exactly how this particular joint pain is affecting you. And if you have an, an issue with the neck, then we'll do another neck survey. That information mm. is vital because it helps me to understand what is it going on in your everyday life, um, how it affects your everyday life, and how we can create goals for you. So those are the things that we'd focus on f- first and foremost. Um, and then um, we'll do a... Uh, a visual assessment. So I'd, I'd probably take a picture to see how the tissue looks, um, not tissue, how the face looks, the symmetry of the face, um, yeah. the one um, forward facing and the one at the side. And then measure like, you know, how wide you can open. Um, what does it look like when you're speaking? Does your jaw deviate to one side more than the other? Measure that. <laughs> you're doing it right. <laughs> uh, uh, Am I doing it right? For- yeah, kind of. Yeah. And I have my little <laughs> thing that I would measure and then we'd, um, should you be able to, de- uh, if I deviate it, like clicks funny, is that normal? Um, it's, I mean, no. you should be able to <laughs> move your jaw from left to right without any popping, clicking or pain that, you know, that oh. would be normal. Um, but then how much displacement do we have left to right from center line? And then yeah. we would also evaluate um, if there's crepitus, clicking, popping in the temporomandibular joint. Um, that's how we would look at that. And then um, we'd also discuss not just um, what the jaw joint looks like. I'd look at the neck. I'd look at your yeah. range of motion in your neck. I'd also evaluate range of motion from the um, lumbopelvic area see what that looks like and see if we have any hypertonic tissues along that area because I'm not just going to look wow. only head and neck I kind of want to get a full overview of what's going on um, yeah. after I do that evaluation um, then um, the the next thing I would do um, is talk about uh, what other factors are affecting you and what are your habits and what is you know is there a particular time that this pain is triggered? Um, really doing a, a real interview of what your life is like with this particular pain and what are the other causes of the pain? Can't just look so at you're kind of like the a physical. therapist also. Kind of-ish, kind of. people are going to you know, like what, tell what, you, it's like, okay, well, so last week my mother-in-law did this and then the kids, you know, the one was writing on the walls and the other one peed in the plants and like all of these things are happening. And then you're like, okay, so how many glasses of wine did you have? Because that contrib- is a contributing factor. factor. Is alcohol oh, a contributing factor to TMJ? TMD? Um, I don't necess- TMD pain? So, um, it, 
I don't necessarily think it's a, a huge contributing factor, but if you're obviously if you're in an abusive relationship with alcohol, it can right. affect how your um your your muscles behave, right? Kind of depresses yeah. everything. So um you know, I don't necessarily feel like um you should stop. It does relax people. It does keep them sure. into a nice calm place. However, um, when it comes to like 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 TMJ and TMD, um. I think of um, it as a syndrome. So if yeah. I'm talking to you and I figure out that, okay, well, you really have a deep underlying issue with um, like substance abuse, for yeah. example, you may need to see a, a, a psychotherapist because that's yeah. the person that will help you as you're going through your, um, your treatment. You kind of need a team yeah. to treat one person with, TM, uh, with uh, temperamental dysfunction it's just not uh one thing and that's it then maybe in your everyday life you have habits that you need to change just like how as dental hygienists we look at what our patients are doing on a day-to-day basis with their diet with um their oral hygiene habits same thing Mm -hmm. you know are you chewing gum 24 7 you know yeah are you constantly um stressing by biting on stuff are you um a person that just you know has a very intense job and clenches instead of taking a breath you know stuff like that so you know finding each little step or little area that affects um the person then that's how that works if i realize that this is way beyond my scope or I need additional help, um, definitely I would seek the, you know, start working with their dentist. They may mm. need a CBCT so we can uh, look at uh, the integrity of the disc. Um, and if and it the gets further that, too. I mean, there's, there's a exactly. lot of wear that happens. Sometimes people have, what, what is it called? Condylar resorption, where the condyle yes. itself resorbs and then there's displacement of the jaw. Um, exactly. And that in, in many instances, some people have arthritis that's underdiagnosed because exactly. they've lived in this discomfort for so long. And unfortunately, clicking and popping and jaw joint pain, which patients often have, um, they be- it becomes normal. It's like, oh, well, my jaw's always done this. Um, and progressively it gets worse over time until it's unbearable. And then they go to pharmaceuticals. Um, but it, it's, is there a preventative measure? Is there something that we could be doing? How young should we be starting these assessments? At what age would we say, you know, a 13 year old shouldn't have discomfort in their jaw joint? Like what, what's, how do we, how do we go back? How do we revive ourselves from just allowing these symptoms to be so pronounced and constant? Um, when it comes to um, children, um, they have pain too. And that's um, some of the things that um, I feel like um, as as healthcare professionals, we don't necessarily understand that, okay, they, they have pain too, right? Um, we have to yeah. kind of, you know, be their advocates, look for the signs first, so if we have a five-year-old that has really ground down teeth at age five on their baby teeth, I mean, that's kind of interesting, right? What is really the underlying reason why they have this so much bruxism at five or at 14 or whatever age it is? You know, we have to catch and that it's then. Just, you know, the phrase, I used to work in a pedo office and the phrase that we often heard is, oh, they'll outgrow it. 
that they'll outgrow the clenching and the grinding. But, you know, it's like kids that are grinders and clenchers that end up having um, higher arches and vaults that end up being mouth breathers uh, versus nose breathers, end up having Mm -hmm. more allergies, end up having Mm -hmm. asthma, turn into adults who have the same, if not worse, symptoms. So this like, oh, they'll outgrow it. Is that just a gap in knowledge, like an excuse that we're making to to pass it off for a future a future clinician problem? I, I really do think it's a gap in knowledge. It's a gap in knowledge and because it's not their wheelhouse, they don't know how to necessarily, you know, you know, I just want to clean your teeth or I just want to do this filling. I don't, I don't really want to deal with the the true reason why this person has this problem it could be it could be more than just them clenching and grinding it could be a stress yeah. stress related it could be systemic you know there could be an actual systemic problem it could be neurological mm. what necessarily is the root cause of this particular issue um, we can't yeah. necessarily just focus on just one aspect um, with children we have to see the signs and be their advocates with adults um some some adults don't start this clenching and grinding phase of their life until they're stressed out or something changes or they've had an accident. Um, uh, you know, lots of people are now are running to do clear aligner therapy and orthodontics, but they're only addressing like the the um, the aesthetics. They're not necessarily addressing the muscular issues or the neuromuscular issues that are. Um, associated with their problem. Sometimes people mm. go into um, ortho- uh, orthodontic work or braces, clear aligners, and their symptoms become worse because they really didn't figure yeah. out what the problem is. So I think there's, there's this lack of knowledge really about what really is temporary mandibular joint dysfunction, how, it's, how it needs to be treated and how it needs to be managed. Just like how um, a patient with fibromyalgia, for example, their response to pain is ludicrous. So they mm. tend to have different um, things going on with TMJ-wise. They'll have more pain in that area. They'll have terminal neurogla, which is horrible, by the way. Um, you know, this is just another thing to add on to some of the, 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 the true root causes of their problem. And when you start addressing it as, say, a syndrome, a whole group of different um, dysfunctions, as opposed to just a one singular thing, then you'll be able to kind of solve the problem. Um, and part of it, too, what we have to do as healthcare providers is understand that we have to help our patients change their behavior. Some of it's behavioral. I think most of it's behavioral. If we're able to mm. at least change some of their behavior and some of their habits, then they'll be successful with managing their care. Yeah. Let's let's say, last couple of questions here. Let's say sure, we have a course. patient that is saying that they're, you know, they're perhaps clenching or grinding or both at night. Um, mm-hmm. Aside from fitting them with an appliance that's, really preventing their teeth from wearing down. Is there a benefit to a night guard on the muscular side? Like, does it lengthen the, the, the muscles in any way to allow more stretching or relief, or is it kind of just a band-aid solution? In some instances, it can be uh, a band-aid solution. Um, in other instances, it does help um, the muscle with fatigue. So muscle fatigue is um, 
you know, one of the the issues that we have with muscular imbalances. You know, um, we have some muscles that are overworked and some muscles that are underworked. Um, you know, the masseters might be overworked. The um, the I can't remember the name. The buccinator muscles might be underworked. It just depends mm-hmm. on what's going on with that particular patient because we don't necessarily know until we evaluate them. Um, one of the the issues, really, I think, is um, trying to figure out: is it could it be sleep apnea that's causing them to grind? You know, mm-hmm. is that is that really the issue? Yeah. You know, is it is that the cause, or is it the fact that they may have an issue with breathing? They're not really breathing correctly, right? Yeah. Um, um, is it an issue where, um, it just depends, uh, because a yeah. uh, mouth guard is not necessarily the, it's an end all. It's just maybe right. a bandaid for now, but it doesn't necessarily correct the articular issues that that person might have. Um, right. they may need to get fitted for, um, a TMJ, uh, orthotic, a specific splint where they've measured everything. They've gone through neuromuscular rehab and now, they have uh, the correct type of a splint that they need to be wearing. Um, and it just yeah. depends on what's going on with that person. So I don't want to discount one thing or the other. It might it might work for one person, but it might yeah. not work for the next person. Um, yeah. It just I think it's dependent on the case, really. That's really important. That's really valuable because we are you know we do what we do in our practices and you get to the extent of treatment planning whatever your knowledge limitation is so if your knowledge limitation is night guard then every Mm -hmm. human in your practice is going to be fitted for a night guard then what happens when they come back a year later and the symptoms are persisting or getting worse that's really fascinating okay so last question as a hygienist me seeing a patient in my practice what do i do I do a head and neck exam. Uh I check. There's clicking and popping. In my chart notes, I identify where the click is. Is it on open? Is it on close? Is there a deviation? Approximately how many millimeters of the deviation? I ask the questions about lifestyle. I ask the questions about recognition if it's happening. And then what do I do? That's where my knowledge limitation ends. What's my next step? Um, the next thing that we can do is, um, you know, we, we ask what they do at home, blah, blah, blah. Fine. We recognize that they may be deviated to one side. Um, one thing that we can ask them to do real simple, you know, um, is to, um, let's one, talk about the food that they eat. Okay. For example, maybe you want to avoid, uh, chewing a, a whole big thing of gum all day long, or, Mm-hmm. You know, that may be the thing that they actually need. This depends on them. Um, or you can talk about, um, okay, instead of opening, you know, 15 millimeters wide or whatever, or way past our, our range of motion, um, try, try and cut your food. Just simple lifestyle things that they can do. If you feel stressed out, um, you know, take a moment, take a breath take a deep breath in and out and try and relax. If you find yourself Mm. clenching, you know, try and um, think about the time at which you're, you're clenching your teeth. For example, when I worked as a hygienist and I'm working with patients, I can't turn my chiropractic hat on because I'm in a different facility. I have to be a dental hygienist. (laughs) So yeah, my quick fix would be, okay, well, I'll teach them how to actually massage their masseter muscles. Like, Ooh, yeah. How do we do that? 
It's really simple and easy. You kind of find where it. that jaw joint is. Right okay. here. And yep, right where the jaw joint is. And you do a circular motion. You put pressure on it. So you use like your um my index. Like maybe three fingers. fingers on each side. Yep. And then you yeah. kind of massage that area and slowly open and close with a bit of pressure. Like that? Oh, that feels good. Yep. And you know what else it. I feel is very, I feel it's very tight for me underneath here where my, the base of my tongue is. And I guess Same all thing? of these mothers, yeah, like right underneath So if I had my, down. what do I have here? Do I have it with me? If I had my gua sha. My oh, you got a gua sha? Yeah, you could, you, yeah. you could do our gua sha tool. Even the, uh, what is this, knuckles. You can use our knuckles yeah. and kind of really come forward but we have to put pressure that's comfortable not too painful and we kind of right. glide it forward right hmm. so your knuckles really are like a nice gua sha tool you can follow the angle of your jaw kind of push it away and that really helps is that what you do for patients oh, sure. so when they come to see you are those are those the types of things that you do this like oh, oral facial yeah. massage yeah. and release and, is, is um, that is that called active release in your industry um, active release would be um, one of the techniques that you can use. Yes, um, instrument assisted soft tissue manipulation is what mm -hmm. I would, would definitely use using the gua sha tool, um, especially along the um, the occipital muscles, the trapezius muscles, along the sternocleidomastoid, yeah. um, even along the angle of Down the, the jaw. Down the platysma. Yep, in the front. Yeah. Um, more uh, along the the cervical paraspinal muscles. Um, really helping with the range of motion and even um, and from chiropractic standpoint, I do if they need a, um, they have a, a somatic dysfunction at that area, do a chiropractic manipulation to help them with their range of motion because I would have evaluated that. Um, if their right. range of motion is not um, where it should be, then, you know, we do a treatment evaluate the area. Another thing that I really do like using in practice also is electric, um, the TENS unit to oh, kind of okay. help with, um, you know, getting that muscle active. Sometimes we overwork one set of muscles and underwork another. So when I use the TENS unit, it kind of helps the muscle fire, um, yeah. how we'd like it to fire and, um, uh, they'll be using muscles. So where do you, where do you use. put that on the, on the, the neck, on the face? Um, you could put it on the face, you could put it at the angle of the jaw, you could put it at the, um, at right over the joint itself. You could put it, um, oh, wow. um, you could put it along the traps. It just depends on where it's painful to the patient. You kind of yeah. use that as a clue or a cue to where you need to, to treat or which muscles you don't mm. see firing when you do your evaluation. Um, that's just wow. some of the things I would do. Uh, massage, head and neck massage is great. Um, yeah. therapy is awesome. Um, because it does help with um, relaxing those occipital muscles and, um, uh, you know, anything head and neck wise. Um, and then wow. sometimes I have to evaluate the, pace, the patient and they have a dysfunction in the thoracic spine or even the lumbar spine and we'll take care of that. It just depends on hmm. what's going on with them at that time. Wow. We didn't even touch on acupuncture. I feel like that's just, that's something that maybe oh. we'll do that on another day, but I feel like uh, definitely. acupuncture definitely. is an is another hot, hot ticket item that patients ask about. 
and that's that's the fascia right like that's the the primary function of acupuncture is releasing fascia um, fashion and helping it, with um electrical um, stimulation yeah. and connectivity we can actually Any do final the thoughts points. on that um i think that it depends the the, the thought i want to leave with um viewers is that it depends on the patient um we can't think of patients as being cookie cutter um Treatment has to match the patient, patient's lifestyle, and what the patient is comfortable with. Um, and they have to take onus also of what's going on with them and be an active participant in their recovery and in their care. Um, when they're involved in their care and don't just leave it to anyone to do it for them, um, then it, it's more meaningful. And when you help them through the relationship that they have with their pain and understand that, yes, pain is normal and just immense amount of pain is abnormal so yes we right. may have some discomfort um, but as long as we're able to understand how or why we can uh, manage this pain or you know being actively participating in their care then they'll they'll find a way to to, to live through it yeah Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for all of your insights. I'll link all of your contact information below and hopefully I get to meet you in real life one day. That would be nice. That would be awesome. Yes. Likely over some nerdy poster somewhere, um, oh, you know, <laughs> reading, reading the most recent research. I'll meet you there. Um, thank you so no much problem. for your time today. Have a good day. Thanks everyone you for too. tuning in. Peace Bye. out. Peace. Oh, hi. So you made it all the way to the end. Thank you for sticking around. And I hope you enjoyed this episode, found it informative, entertaining, and of course, as per usual, find me hilarious. If you liked what you heard, it would really mean a lot to me if you could show your support by liking, commenting, or sharing this episode with a friend or family member. Your feedback and engagement helped me get on the mic today, and it would also improve our future shows and reach more people who maybe could benefit from our content as well. If you haven't already, please consider subscribing to my podcast on your favorite platform or on YouTube. Follow along on this crazy journey with me at toothlife.irene and at toothordare.podcast on Instagram and Twitter. That way you'll be the first to know when episodes are released and you won't miss a beat. I appreciate your support and look forward to bringing you more great episodes in the future. From my team to yours, thanks again for listening and I'll catch you on the flip side.